0: You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Oh, boy, what a weekend it was for the Orange down in Chapel Hill. A very, very disheartening 31-6 to loss to the UNC Tar Heels. We're breaking it down for you here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard, we're with you every single day here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast, Monday through Friday. Be sure to check us out, subscribe, all that good stuff, because, Tim, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to talk about the entirety of this football season, because it was a very ugly game, a very sloppy game, really both sides for three quarters, and then UNC tied their shoes for that fourth quarter and really put together a very sound offensive quarter. They had three touchdowns there and just ran away with the game, but... In general, I, first of all, I do want to say this: um, what you were there,
0: yeah, <laughs> and
1: that—that that to me, I mean, I'm trying to think about everyone affiliated with the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, how many people affiliated with the entirety of our network do you think have been to a live sporting event, covering huh. a live sporting event since the shutdown? I'm probably I would one say of you few. are in. Yeah. You are in a very elite group right there, my friend. So Yeah, I was it was hats awesome off to, you. to be there. How, so what's it like being in an empty stadium essentially?
0: Yeah, you know, of course a ton of people have been asking me that, and that's the million dollar question, and the best word I think to describe it is it's weird. I said that a lot when I was tweeting for us, and it's just Like, you can't over say that word. Just talking to the other reporters and the other media members there, that was the word of the day. I mean, it must have been said, like, 15, 20 times by everyone who was there. Because, well, it was kind of cool and unique just to see sports back and just to be a part of that. I, I thought, overall, just walking into the game, seeing no one there... It's just like feels like it was in scrimmage or something, and then the game gets going and you kind of get more into it and it started to feel, well, maybe because of the way Syracuse played, it started to feel more like normal, unfortunately, given what happened last year. It was a lot of what we saw last year. but yeah, very cool to be at the game. I thought uh, I thought it was kind of what you'd expect, but kind of hard to really wrap your head around how weird it is until you're really there and there's no fans there.
1: What's the pumped-in crowd noise like? Cause have have you been to Keenan Stadium before for a football game? Yeah, it's it's so usually what's, what's honestly, the disparity. not that in terms loud. of how loud Obvious. it is.
0: Yeah, obviously that's that's a basketball school for sure, but yeah, the, the crowd noise was pretty loud. I I honestly didn't get a firm grasp of it. The best grasp I got is when they were testing it because that happened to be right when I was walking into the arena like an hour before kickoff. And when they were testing it, I was like, this is pretty loud. Like, this is not that far off from normal. But once you're watching the game up high in the press box, like the windows are shut, they're, you're really hearing... They shut
1: the windows? Isn't that like rule number one of COVID safety? Leave the windows open, let the air flow yeah, in and out. Yeah, we were all wearing masks What are you doing in there? North Carolina, man? Come on. I,
0: I know, I know. Well, I mean, for the most part, I felt safe being there, but... No, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. And I think they, you know, it's a weird situation where you're trying to make the most of it. But, yeah, you couldn't really hear a ton of the crowd noise, which is weird that I'm saying that because I should have been able to. But it's just given the situation where all I was hearing was what was coming through the windows. So it really, like, I did some videos from up top. I think I did one of the kickoff, and you can't hear anything, like not even the ambient noise. So it it makes it even seem a little more eerie than it probably actually was. But, I mean, the crowd noise was loud, It also was like nothing compared to normal. I mean, you can't sugarcoat that. Hmm, That's that's very
1: interesting. All right, so you had the in-person view, something that literally I think none of our listeners had of that game. And watching that putrid offense, because (laughs) it's funny. We we talk about our prop (laughs) shop, all right? We talk about our prop shop, and one of the props was who will score the first touchdown. And I, I guess, what, does the pot roll to next week? I mean, do our picks <laughs> stand for next week? We, I guess we have to do the same prop for next week because there wasn't a touchdown in this game. pair yeah. of Andre yeah. Schmidt field goals, all the offense that this team could must up. Should have up. been Sherrod Johnson. That should have it, been the yeah, first No, teacher. yeah, you are right. It should have been. He, he dropped that one. And, and let's be honest, there were a couple of other red zone opportunities that this oh, team yeah. just did not capitalize on. Very frustrating offensively. And I think we start this entire conversation with Tommy DeVito because the numbers weren't good. I mean, the, the stats back it up, but he just looked off. He, he did not look like the Tommy DeVito that we had expected, okay, maybe with some bolstered offensive line play or, or some better chemistry with the receivers going into this year. But no, it was the same old, same old that we saw last year, and, and it was another disastrous offensive effort for this Orange team. And, and to me, when I look at Tommy DeVito – I just don't know how this is going to get better, because UNC's got a solid defense, they've got fantastic linebackers, they've got some good defensive backs, but he's not taking the shots that I expected Tommy DeVito to take when he came to this school. He's not the big-armed Tommy DeVito. His downfield success was not there. He overshot a number of receivers, he undershot a couple guys, he let a couple guys out of bounds. The accuracy has been very, very suspect, and I'm really starting to get worried. And the thing that worries me the most is who, there's no a better option on the team. Yeah. <laughs> and you just kind of yeah. have to ride this out for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I tweeted some things out today. I went back and watched the game, as I know you did. We we clearly just hate ourselves because we had to watch that pathetic offense one more time. And I went back and looked at the film. I tweeted something out from my personal account, but we retweeted it at lo. Yeah, how about you? You were Syracuse. gaining uh So you were getting some good traction on that one. Well, I, that I team mean, I underscore think... Leonard four. Yeah, thank you for the shout for the out. Plot. Shout out. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone is sort of starting to even the DeVito supporters, which I would consider myself a pretty big Tommy DeVito defender, even up until when we were doing this, the preseason previews for positional groups and stuff going into this season. So at this point, though, I mean, I encourage people to go look at this film that I tweeted out. And, And yes, these are still shots of of the worst plays of the game from him, essentially, like, you know. Everyone's going to make mistakes, but the the reason why I felt comfortable tweeting that out and and sort of discussing that in that manner is because Tommy DeVito is in his fourth year with the program now. Like this isn't right. His this is first no rookie. Game. Yeah, they, it, like DeVito, DeVito doesn't have the "I'm young" excuse, or Babers can't get up there and be like, "He's got to grow." Like, but we got the right guy. We just got to these grow young now. men are hurting. Like, I'm done hearing that. I'm done hearing that. (laughs) We'll get to Dino's press conference because I've got some thoughts on that, but...
1: I've got a word to explain Dino's press conferences from here on out.
0: Is it a movie reference or some pop culture theme? Gosh, I I guess
1: it's a a quasi-Syracuse bar reference. Oh,
0: good. Uh, I'll leave it at that. that. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, good tease. Well, okay, so there's a couple things on DeVito. What I tweeted out basically is he's inaccurate for sure i thought that was one of his more inaccurate games when you watch back the film i mean there's that one pass at the end of the first half which i mean holy cow the first half as plenty of people joked about unc was just like here syracuse take the game we're giving Uh, you week one Mm -hmm. yeah we're giving you this everything Right. They even had the decency to like buy
1: one of those nice two from stickers. All right. Yes. <laughs> two Syracuse from Mac Brown.
0: Oh and it's so Dino frustrating. Dino returned it. He he never let it even get under the tree. That's that's the frustrating thing. UNC ends up covering this game, which is pretty baffling because they were up by four going into the fourth quarter. They end up covering Ty, and I've talked to some UNC fans after the game. They wouldn't consider that a positive performance. And that's what is so no. concerning because it was just Syracuse was so comically bad on offense. And DeVito just looks panicky. I mean, he doesn't look like he's grown at all. He looked better in 2018 when he came in for relief. And yes, the offensive line was terrible again. Yes, the skill position players aren't that great. Yes, there's a lot of things going against him. I mean, there, there has to be something to be said that once you're always facing a bad pocket. When you have a clean pocket, it almost puts more pressure on you to execute. Or when you're in the red zone and you've failed in the red zone several times, you get even tighter than normal. It's definitely some mental things going on. But I mean, if you're a Tommy DeVito supporter out there, I don't really know what you're saying at this point. And I I know he's in a tough spot. I've been a supporter for a while. I think because I always go back to what he was doing in 2018, but This is getting kind of ridiculous. And the thing is, is
1: there's these people, they tweet at us all the time. They want positivity. They want, they're predicting Syracuse to be an above 500 team this year, and we just don't see that in the roster right now. And listen, I'm not going to be out here and wave pom-poms for this program, okay? They've sucked the last God knows how many years, okay? Except for one year. You see a couple positive blips here and there, whether it's Doug Marone, whether it's Eric Dungy. But this program has not been good, and... I mean, for Tommy DeVito now, I mean, he was supposed to be the guy that came in and was going to lift this program, get take that step towards, okay, now we can bring in four stars pretty frequently, and, and that's going to be more the norm than the outlier. But to me, I think it's interesting that you bring up the the whole the comparisons to 2018. I'm starting to think this is not a skill thing for Tommy DeVito because... Guess what? We've seen the arm strength before we have seen accuracy before. We have seen the ability to not turn the ball over before. But I'm starting to think this is something that's between the ears. This is a mental thing for him because think back to 2018. When he came into the game, he had absolutely nothing to lose, right? Absolutely nothing. But now, when he comes into the game, there's pressure on him to perform. And guess what? There's also no one to kind of push him and challenge him for that role. And I think that something like that can be very toxic for a football program, yeah. especially when it's happening at the quarterback position. Because if you don't get good quarterback play, you're not going to be a very good team, especially in 2020. Yeah. And it, to me, it's gotten down to this thing it's a mental thing for him because I've seen him make the throws, I've seen him do everything that this offense asks, whether it's with the run game, with the passing game, whatever. I've seen him do it. And now he's not getting pushed by any sort of backup. And, and who knows w- whether that person would even exist on this roster. I don't know how the quarterback development has gone. Yeah, because, again, that's kind of the thing we're, we're after here is there is no other solution on this roster behind right. Tommy DeVito. So you just kind of have to, to ride this roller coaster for the remainder of the season. And who knows, maybe if there was a chance Amy here still, he could have been a guy that that pushed (laughs) DeVito and maybe created some sort of quasi-competition at the quarterback position, but that's not here. He knows he can't lose his job because there's nothing behind him, and on top of that, he's just going out there and laying up dud after dud after dud, and I get it. 2020 is a sample size of one so far, but all of 2019 was a lot of
0: negativity as well. Right. It's... (laughs) He's just hesitant. Like, it's not coming quickly to him. And I I don't really know how else to say it. He's tentative. He locks in on that first receiver. I mean, Taj Harris had 15 targets in this game.
1: I, I've got a Taj times. Harris. I,
0: I did some tracking on Taj Harris.
1: I will yeah. I will explain that after the break. Okay. But, uh, f- finish up what, what you were saying about Taj Harris, and then we'll no, step aside real quick. It's, it's the same thing he did things. last
0: year. It's what he did with Tristan, where he locks into that first read, and there are several passes when you watch back the film where he has these guys wide open, or just it's a quick first read, a quick hitter over the middle, and he's scared to make the throw. He's not taking chances. He's not giving his receivers, the opportunity to make plays. And that's why his interceptions look great. Five interceptions last year, it's like 200-something odd passes since he's thrown a pick. That's great. I'd rather him throw two picks and throw for 300 yards and actually have some semblance of an offense because that offense that they had in that game against UNC is, I mean, that was as bad as I've seen it. And I shouldn't even say that because it's basically what it was last year, which makes it even more frustrating.
1: All right, so we're going to get to some more thoughts on this offense because it was disastrous down in Chapel Hill. And then on top of that, we're going to break down some of the things that Dino Babers said in his press conference. because, And, and like I said, I've got a word to to um, to characterize what Dino says. And it's, I'm starting to pick up on it now, but seemingly every single game. I've got a little comparison I want to make to that. And we're also going to play a blame game later on. Where are you distributing the blame For the entirety of this loss to Syracuse. So we will do that in just a little bit. But first, got to get in a word with our guys from Built Bar. Because guess what? Built Bar is re-upping the Protein Bar game. Six new flavors coming to the Built Bar lineup. Including, here are the ones that really caught my eye. Caramel Brownie and Cookies and Cream. I am really looking forward to that. There's no better way to reward yourself for a workout than with Built Bar, because A, they're healthy, B, they taste like a candy bar, and C, you're just getting all these different benefits for your body, and they don't fill you up like they're an entire meal. They're the perfect post-workout snack, or just a regular snack. You need something to get you through the day, a little pick-me-up from that working from home. Built Bar is the way to go, and right now, take a listen to this real quick, all right? Because they are giving away a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Yes, you heard me right. A free cooler with your purchase. You're gonna wanna get on this ASAP. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Remember, this used to be just your first order, but now you will get it off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Tim, I got a question for you. Are, are you a big... Do you buy into the whole PFF stuff a lot? Yeah, a little are you, are bit. You, I like this. Okay, skills. so yep. um, PFF came out with their college grades, okay? They do this every week. They don't They don't grade, mm. I think, every single... Pl- uh, like, they grade players, but they don't release the grades of every single player, I'm pretty sure. So PFF, the the four highest-graded Syracuse players from week one. You want to take a stab at it real sure. quick? I would Have say Andre Sisco...
0: All right, Andre, Andre was Siska. number two. Okay. Trill, I mean, Trill didn't get thrown at at all, but. Exactly. But Trill, Trill, I thought was phenomenal.
1: And it's kind of the whole offensive line theory. If you don't hear their name, it yeah. might be a good thing as a cornerback. But no, Trill was not on this.
0: Okay. So th- huh. And
1: it's little things like that is why I take PFF with a grain of salt, all right? Yeah. Um. Was Iffy on there? Iffy was number three for the Syracuse team. Okay. 70.8 for Iffy. Cisco was 72.6. Two...
0: Are the other two people I would guess, or is there a curveball in there? Uh, Number
1: one is a monster curveball, and number three, you'll hear it, and you'll be like, okay, yeah, I can can get behind that. Okay, just tell me. I don't want to just keep guessing. Or number four, rather, that is. So number four is Steve Linton. Okay. Okay. That and makes number sense. number one is the guy that has been the topic of conversation this entire podcast so far. Tommy DeVito. What? Led the PFF <laughs> grade at a 74.8. So just goes all right. to show you. I'm um, taking that with a of salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the way when I see all this stuff is when I see something like that, I say, okay, I'm not going to buy the subscription myself. I'm going to buy it and then I'm going to share the password with some people. That's how right. I, I, I treat stuff like that. Anyway, so – I promised you some Taj Harris stuff here. And yes. So like you mentioned, Taj Harris, 15 targets in this game. A, an absurd amount for a wide receiver. <laughs> and five catches. And five catches, counting. yes, yeah. yes. Five catches on this one. Um, so I kind of, when I was going back and watching the game again, I tracked the, the targets that Taj was getting from DeVito really before the game just exploded and got out of hand and, and we saw Rex Culpepper enter the contest. But four balls that Taj was thrown were overthrown. One was underthrown on a deep ball that should have been a pass interference. Two were behind him. Two were completed screen passes. One is right no chemistry. Money. Yeah. Two <laughs> led him out of bounds, oh and one of them should have been a pass interference. One was a drop by Taj that was on target, and, and then there were two others on target, and then another that was a pass breakup.
0: Yeah. So when Wasn't I dropped the one that he just bulleted in there, and Taj yeah. was like gassed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember that play. That was like but, the third straight deep route for him.
1: The lack of chemistry is apparent on the field. When you see Taj Harris throwing his arms up after a play, same thing th- as last year. There's clear frustration. It, uh, yes, it, it's all coming back now, and yeah. that's the thing that's frustrating is because all the problems that were pertinent last year, there have not been many changes. It feels like. I mean, yes, there have been changes, obviously in in the personnel and in the coaching staff
0: and all that, but well, the they're still figuring the out the personnel has to not it. changed. Gotta remember that Dino's exactly. got to get his three games to figure out that. Oh personnel. yes. We, we will get to
1: that in just a second. But <laughs> I mean, honestly, I felt like the Tommy DeVito to Anthony queeley connection was actually solid. Yeah. It was actually Quigley like, there good. was something there. Yeah. And, and honestly, when Rex Culpepper came in, he, had, he hooked up with uh, Queeley a couple times as well. So there seems to be some sort of chemistry with Queeley. And I mentioned him at the when we were doing our wide receiver preview as a guy who could maybe be a dark horse to lead the team in receptions. And I think he had four, if I remember correctly, which yeah. would put him for second r- right now through one game. Should have had a touchdown but, on that deep ball too. Yes, he should have. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny too because Tommy DeVito's best throw of the entire game was probably dropped. I mean, I don't have the, the tracker. I don't carry the clipboard with me when I when I watch these games. But that ball to Sherrod Johnson should have been caught, and that may have been his best throw of the entire yeah. afternoon. He could put a little a more
0: air on his throws, I feel like. Maybe, but,
1: yes. But I mean, that, was I mean, that ball needs to be caught. Too,
0: but it, it was a bad drop. It was a bad drop, for sure. And, and I and, mean, we're repping on DeVito, but, like, if he makes that catch, who knows? It might have changed the maybe the confidence
1: the game. steps up. I don't know. Maybe he tries to to look for other options throughout the game. So it was it was super frustrating, and, and really the red zone efficiency. Oh. So w- when you talk to football coaches, especially at the college level, the number that they love is the red zone efficiency, the percentage of points that you are scoring. And to to give you the how that breakdown works. So let's say you go to the red zone. Three times, okay. There are 21 points that are available for you in the red zone when you go there, okay? Because three, three times there, seven touch, or seven points of touchdown, so there's there's 21 points, and they want to be getting 75% of those points when they get to the red zone. Syracuse, in their red zone efficiency, they got they went to the red zone three times, they got six points from those red zone trips, so you're salvaging 28% of the points. Meanwhile, UNC, they went to the red zone five times, scored all five times, and salvaged 31 of the 35 points that they were wow. given a chance to score. That's an 88% clip, and Mac Brown will take that and run to the bank with it. So it's the red zone deficiencies that bit this team in the rear. I mean, you're talking about 21 points there, and heck, this is a totally different ballgame. If you can get 75% of that, so if you're getting two touchdowns and a field goal there, you're taking that and you're running with it yeah. because that that it's a whole different game then. Maybe right. there's more confidence. And again, the run, running game wasn't great. The, the blocking sure as hell wasn't great. But it's the frustrations that pop up in the red zone with this team that can be a major Achilles heel for this entire season.
0: It reminded me a lot of the Clemson game last year, honestly. That was the last very, time yeah. they didn't score a touchdown. And it was very similar, if you really break it down, because they had tons of opportunities in the beginning of that Clemson game. And it was almost like false hope they gave us, where they got a turnover, or a big play. There was that interception from Frederick, and then DeVito tossed it away right after in the red zone. They didn't capitalize in the red zone. I think they scored six points in that game. They lost by a little bit more. But it was like the same type of game where they were hanging around, hanging around, and then they just didn't capitalize. And it was a huge blowout in the end. But on the offense. 10
1: 6 going into the fourth quarter. You get one of those touchdowns. You are entering the fourth quarter with a lead or a tie ball game.
0: Right. And then by the six minute mark, Rex Culpepper was in and they were down by 25 or whatever it was. And it ended up being. Mm -hmm. So a really quick change of. But it it always felt inevitable. I was there. I don't know about you. it, It felt like UNC was going to take over just because that offense was never even like giving you any sort of ideas of them doing anything at any point in the game. Well, to me, it came
1: down to a couple things here. First of all, the Orange was dead tired. And I think that comes down to a couple things. How many people on this depth chart do you know Babers trust to go out there and make a play, especially in a tight game? And the fatigue eventually settles in because you're playing uh, some of these guys who maybe should be getting a couple of plays off here or there. They're going to get fatigued. The tackling got extremely sloppy. The special yep. teams... Uh, the special yeah, teams wasn't was brutal good. in this game. That right. We pinpointed the four phases, all right? Offense, defense, special teams, coaching. We said going into this game... UNC had the advantage in three of those areas. The one place that Syracuse had the advantage was special teams. And you got your butt whooped on the hidden yardage stat right there. And and hidden yards, for those who don't know, it's basically the yards that you gain via special teams, whether it's on kickoff returns, punt returns, all that stuff. I mean, UNC very, very well could have had that one punt go for a touchdown. And then on top of that, it felt like they were getting... 30, 20, sometimes 25. They were getting healthy gains on every single punt return in that second half. And that's an area where Syracuse is supposed to have its advantage. And when you're throwing that out the window and the Syracuse team has zero advantages across the board,
0: then you get what you deserve. All right. You you lose by 25. So on the offense, I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. It was terrible. And and this offense stinks. Like it's time to look in the mirror on this offense And going forward, we better see some adjustments. We better see at least something. I mean, throw something out there that is different than what we've seen for now the past 13 games. And I know Trill Williams' dad was on Twitter. I think it's Trey Williams, and he was doing a couple of things. But he, he didn't hold back. He said, how did we get a new offensive coordinator and we're still running the same plays on offense? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I couldn't phrase it better. That is what made it so frustrating to me is it was just the same old thing. It was that same bad offensive line. And I know some of it comes down to talent. And I mean, we could have a whole different pod on how maybe this falls back into recruiting a little bit, too. But going forward, I want to see more of the tight ends. I mean, you've got a very talented tight end room, especially with all the red zone troubles they've had. Let's get Aaron Hackett, Luke Benson more involved. I get you have to use them for run blocking for pass blocking because the offensive line needs the help that's a shame but let's get them more involved. I want more screens. I don't know why we're not running the screens that we were in 2018. The percentage of screens has gone way down and that and guess feels what? like it, the it, thing about that too, you've got game-breaking receivers with
1: speed. What's the one thing that Dino recruits into the receiver room? It's speed. Guys yeah. who can make a play. Get Nikeem of these space. screen passes. I right. mean think about think about Taj Harris. He had what? this 94-yard touchdown
0: uh,
1: from a season ago a yeah. lot of this stuff is yards after the catch a lot of these completions that they have and the yardage that devito's racked up is yards after the catch
0: right tosh had that one play broke like four tackles and just kept spinning right. off defenders yeah. i mean Nikeem looked good he had that punt return which was called back that was unfortunate but he looked more like his old self in 2018 he just you not get him in the involved. middle you get some blocking going out there you could have something Right. I mean, they have some pieces. And the other thing I want is just more quick hitters, more passes over the middle. When you go back and look at the film, I mean, teams have have succeeded with bad offensive lines to a degree at every level. I, I know that Syracuse's offensive line is very damaging to the product that they're putting out on offense, but it's crippling them more than it should be. You should be able to adjust as a coaching staff After what happened last year and after knowing what the personnel is going into this year, you should be able to come up with more ways to get the ball out of DeVito's hands quickly. Now, some of that falls on DeVito, like we said in the earlier segment, because he's just not making quick enough reads and he's not making quick enough decisions. But let's just get it so that he has to make the right decision. Let's throw quick hitters over the middle. That's when they succeed. When you go back and watch it, They went to Queeley for that first completion, I believe, for a first down right out of the gate. A quick slant. Queeley's going to beat his man. Nikeem's going to beat his man when it's man coverage like that. Just make it so it's more over the middle throws. I feel like DeVito gets into this bad habit of constantly throwing to the sidelines, and stats say that he is better to the sidelines than over the middle, so I don't know if he subconsciously is more afraid of throwing over the middle or what it is, but Let's work more over-the-middle quick stuff into this. Let's just make changes. I just don't want to see the same thing in week four because, honestly, I'm just tired of watching it, I think everyone is. This coaching staff had Irv Phillips on this team. They know that, right? Like... They ran
1: plays for Irv Phillips, and that's the exact type of player that you could plug into this offense. And guess what? There is an Irv Phillips on this offense, okay? His name's Na'Keem Johnson. And to a degree, I mean, Anthony Quealy can play like this, too. You've got guys who can play like that, and you just feed them some stuff over the middle. You get them into some tunnel screens, and things can happen. Let them make plays for you and you just could not get anything going offensively, and you're pulling your hair out. When it's the fourth quarter, you're down four. You're being handed this ball game, and you choke on your own dinner. That's what <laughs> this game was. So, And then Dino Babers, after the game, and we have to get into this. Because yeah, we do. He, he's, I've got my word here for you, Tim, all right? He's taking right. a heavy, heavy swig of the excuse juice, okay? Because <laughs> when, when he is going out and saying we need – two more games to figure out the personnel yeah oh god i'm I, laughing i, I can't laughing. even and I get i get that these first three games are not going to be easy especially now because Pitt, you've you're opening up the season with back-to-back ranked opponents i don't yeah. know if you saw but Pitt everyone's is in the same now world, number though. 25 but right. guess what unc doesn't have those preseason gimmies to, to start their season Pitt. Didn't ha- well, I guess actually they did because they started with Austin T <laughs> and-, and blew them out of the water. by yeah, over true. forty points. But most of these other teams are not given the same luxury that a, a team like Pitt is is facing right now. Okay, so and-, and I think I saw the Panthers are opening up as a nineteen point favorite. And I think you and I we we might dig back into the piggy bank a little bit for that one. All right, and and run <laughs> to the the window with that one. But
0: now I I I don't know I. We'll see where that line gets to. I mean, I haven't gambled in a while, but I joked with you that maybe I'm coming out of retirement after watching that up close and personal. I I hope that I'm wrong, obviously, but that matchup worries me, and we'll get more into it as the week progresses. I mean, for Dino to say, we need three games, the season's going, Dino. Yeah. Like, this this isn't... You've you've got one in the rearview window, and it's a You've got less games. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) this is and and he went on this is not his the year to be making show. an excuse like that he went on his coach's show on thursday and he said he basically called these three games the first three games pre-season games i mean that's unacceptable i i don't want my coach having that attitude i'm sorry i i don't care if it's a i know it's a tough situation i know that you have a young team out there and you've got these new coordinators and this is just, uh, I get all that. That's why we talked about the expectations would be low going into this year. But, I mean, for our sake, just just give us a better product. Like, it's just, I'm so sick of watching it and I'm so sick of seeing Dino get up there. And I like Dino. I mean, I don't think Dino is the problem. I, I believe that 2018 wasn't some fluke. I understand that You know, this is a time where he's got to prove some stuff. I'm all for that, and I'm all for that thinking. But I I still, deep down, think Dino was a good hire, and and the program's heading in the right direction. I'm a little sick, though, of the press conferences where he's getting up there with the movie references, and like you're saying, it's just kind of excuses. And, I mean, it wouldn't kill him to take some ownership. Like, this is not going well, and... And there were high expectations last year. There was a lot of talent last year. You fought the injury bug. Things went against you, Dino. But, I mean, we get all that. Like, let, let's make adjustments. Let's take some ownership up on that podium. I, I Honestly, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I like Dino, but I'm a little sick of watching his press conferences. Um, I'm with you. I, I think, yeah, the
1: the excuses need to stop. Um And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch the the same problem. It's the definition of insanity, trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's kind of what we're seeing play out. All right, when we come back, we're going to dive into a little bit of this blame game we've got, the Monday blame pie. We're going to take a pie chart, and we're going to divvy up the blame for what we saw over the weekend. That's coming up next. All right, so disheartening stuff down in Chapel Hill. By the way, what a win for unc football this entire weekend not only do you get your heels but how about the comeback made by the one the only mitchell trubisky over the detroit oh, lions yeah. huh how about says so a bears heels, fan huh? he had to slide yeah that well hey you you guys you got no lucky two, all right oh no, they got very swift lucky. i mean deandre was... swift dropping that ball at the at the goal line yeah if yeah. uh I, I don't think he's going to be doing that very many more times throughout yeah, his nfl career. they got lucky tough, but hey they yeah. they uh Good win for the Heels all around, both in the the collegiate and in the the professional realms of football. So now we're going to do what we were going to do every single Monday after a game day, or if there's a Thursday game. There might be a Thursday game mixed along the weeds somewhere. Uh, We'll do it on Fridays. Um, So we're going to take a little pie chart. You remember those pie charts when you were in school? Well, yes. we're going to divvy up the blame of where things went wrong in this game. And guess what? When when they win, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to attribute people for how like well it. they it, it can be. We a might not be person. doing that a it can lot, be a but I I player, like a up- coach, a concept, a stat, whatever you want. We're going to divvy some stuff up. So Do you have your pie chart ready?
0: Do you want me to start with this? How Uh, how do you want to
1: get this thing going?
0: Let's hear yours first, and then uh, I'm sort of spitballing my numbers a little bit. So let's go to you. All right. Well, I'm going to
1: start this one. I'm going to divvy out 30% of the blame here to the red zone efficiency. And I've already spit out these numbers, all right? The the 28% of points gained from being in the red zone. That's unacceptable in this regard. And also on the other side of the ball, too. I'm clumping this all as the red zone efficiency, both on defensive and offensive side of the ball. 31 of 35 points were picked up by the Tar Heels. That's 88%. That's 13% above the ledger that coaches generally want in in football. So I'm going 30% red zone efficiency. I also want to talk about this, too. I'm going to give another 20% here to the third down play for this team, okay? So bad. Four of 19 on third down. Their average distance to go on third down, 8.7 yards. You want to know their average, and I had never seen this stat clumped into third down stats, so uh, they now track this through the stat broadcast that they give out at the games. How many yards you pick up on third downs 3.2 yards per play. You want to know what UNC's was? So they they weren't fantastic on third down by any stretch. I mean, they were only a little over 35%. they were pretty bad, honestly. Um, They were 5 of 13. And guess what? They kind of ran into the same distance to go on third down. 8.4, so a .3 yard difference there. But their average yards per play on third down was 7.9. You at least set yourself up to go for it on fourth down and have some success. So I'm going 20% to the third down um, offense and defense, all right? I'm going to go 30% to Tommy DeVito. I think he just needs to step up, and I'm tempted to maybe go a little bit more there, but he needs to step up. He needs to be able to perform in big games. You were brought in to be a guy who could play on Saturday Night Football on ABC, okay? You did it one time, and it was a dud. And you got to come back, and you have to have some sort of chip on your shoulder, all right? Because you're not a four-star recruit anymore. You're a guy who's trending more towards the bottom end of ACC quarterbacks than the guy who was brought in to be a four-star guy. So 30% going on Tommy DeVito. And then the other 20% goes to just the the defense in general. Because, listen, they, they played a, a pretty good ball game, but they could have gotten to Sam Howell a little bit more. And that offensive line did not impress me that much for UNC. I think that if they had gotten a little more penetration into the backfield, again, they still had two sacks. They, they were, I won't say largely responsible for two interceptions, but they, they got into the face of Sam Howell. But you have to finish some of those plays in the backfield. And, and you have to contain that running game that UNC had as well. Because, I mean, Javante Williams and Michael Carter were running all over you two. So yeah. I'm going to go, that that divvies up my pie. So I had the red zone efficiency. I had the third down offense, Tommy DeVito, and then you've got the, the defense as well.
0: All right. So my main culprit, my actually I'm main... going to split
1: that up. I'm going to throw special teams in there. I'll split that with the defense 10 and 10. Okay.
0: All right. All right. That makes sense. My main blamer here is something that you didn't even mention there, but I, I'm sure you kind of agree with me. I'm going to go 50% of the blame to the offensive line in this game okay because just yeah. because it's always the blame I don't think we should ignore it I mean it's still the same issues but when you go back and watch the film I'll defend DeVito a little bit here in the sense that there are a lot of plays where he's just got no shot and the offensive line I mean there was one play I watched there where, are also some though where he needs to learn to step up in the
1: pocket and oh run, yeah or step yeah. up and make a throw right and not just tuck your tail and, and go into into a possum or fetal position
0: yeah, I, I would give DeVito... He's like Tom
1: Brady back there.
0: <laughs> yeah, or Drew that, Brees, that, that like hurts. those Come those on. old quarterbacks that
1: that can't run. I mean, you're young, you're spry. You can move. You've got good legs. Yeah. Just now, step up and make a play.
0: He had some better running plays, and I think he was hurt last year and didn't run as much. So keep doing that, DeVito, if you're listening. Keep running. Keep making plays with your legs. I'm all for it. I would give 25% of the blame to DeVito so, kind of similar to you, I mean, we've talked about him a lot, and, and a lot of it does fall on him. So, 50% online, line, 25% DeVito, I would say I'd fill it out with coaches 15%, and then skill players 5%, because I want to see some changes, I was disappointed that Sterling Gilbert's offense looked a lot like the offense that we ran to no results at all last year for the most part of the season, for a large part of the season, and... Skill position players, I'm only going to put 5%. I just want to say real quick, a lot of people, I've, I've seen it on Twitter, they're saying, we're down two running backs, we're down two running backs, let's keep that in mind. It's a plug-and-play position. It, it's a plug-and-play position. You know position. how I feel about running backs, but, yeah, I mean, I don't care if we have Saquon Barkley in our backfield, he's not going to make that big of a difference based on what the offensive line is giving these running backs. Like, Jawar Jordan, I believe in him, but... I mean, he could maybe run a little more north-south at times, and he could be a little bit better, and he's young, yes. But holy cow, like, every play, there was three guys meeting him in the backfield, and that's why 50% goes on the O-line, and that proves a little bit that Seven maybe, sacks, too. Yeah, yeah, seven sacks. I mean, it felt like there could have been more, too. And every yeah, third day That was the easiest prop
1: shop over we ever hit, I think. Yeah, holy cow. We, Easier I don't know than what the Sidibe special.
0: It. Right. For for Pitt, we'd have to make it eight, I mean, maybe, or something like that, because of their <laughs> D-line. And maybe we'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, we can cut the podcast here. We've gone long here. I Look, I'm happy to have Syracuse football back. That's probably how I distribute the blame. And I, I, I say sort of tentatively that I'm looking forward to seeing some changes from this team. I, I think it's still early. The offense will develop later than the defense. That makes sense because of limited camp and everything. But... I mean, on the DeVito front, I don't think anyone should be giving him any excuses right now. It's his fourth year with the program, and I'll just leave it at that. Right. The excuses need
1: to stop from top to bottom with this program. It, it's it's starting to get a little embarrassing, too. I mean, I, I'm producing oh, yeah. a college football show in, in Chicago on a Saturday, and when I've got a host telling me that, uh, that Dino Babers and the excuses, I know like I know that I'm getting an excuse out of Dino Babers, like, that's all you need to know. If that's the yeah. reputation he's starting We're to build. We're a laughing is, stock. And yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's, it stinks, man. It stinks. It's, it's frustrating. So, all right, that's
1: going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, I mean, we didn't even touch on the defense, really, today. Yeah. So, we, I've got plenty of thoughts because there was actually some good in the defense. But,
0: for of sure. course, there
1: was a complete crumbling act in that fourth quarter that we will hit on tomorrow so tomorrow's going to be a defensive heavy show and we'll also break down some of the news of the day as well Aronde Gadsden is supposed to commit today where it is who knows might be syracuse so we will get you all you need to know about a potentially big wide receiver target that could be coming to syracuse and joining what looks like could be a, a, a turn for the program hopefully fingers crossed yeah we need these it these are some guys that can yeah that can uh, get this program whipped around. So we will do that on the show tomorrow. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you on Tuesday.